Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information. Lucas on Life. Hello, welcome to Lucas on Life. I'm Jeff Lucas here on Premier Christian Radio in these strange, challenging, sometimes bewildering times of global pandemic and then the tragedy of the killing of George Floyd in the USA and the reactions and the responses that have followed. It seems to me that it would be good for us to reflect on the power of kindness. The world has been captivated by a picture of Patrick Hutchinson, a black man who carried a white drunk protester out into safety just this last weekend. This week on Lucas on Life, it's Lucas on Kindness. Airports aren't my favourite places, which is rather unfortunate because over the years I've spent quite a lot of time in them. I don't mind flying so much, even though some in-flight food is surely created by demonised chefs, and one is occasionally required to play that culinary game, name that food, mainly because it's difficult to determine whether it's beef or chicken. But unlike the excited newbie traveller, the thrilled 10-year-old, or even the pencil-toting soul who goes plane-spotting, with apologies to any pencil-touting, plane-spotting souls who are listening to this, I'm no longer joyous when I step inside a terminal. On the contrary, airports are usually emotional black holes. Now, admittedly, there are a few happy folk to be seen, although some of them have smiles fueled by quaffing lager with their airport breakfast, a habit that is surely prohibited in Leviticus. Guinness just doesn't belong as a side order to eggs and bacon at 7am. But most people in airports are there simply because they want to be somewhere else, which affects their mood. And then there's all that security screening where one is required to look relaxed as one's hand luggage is scanned because of the possible inclusion of a tactical nuclear warhead being secreted alongside one's laptop. One of my least favourite moments comes when I have to remove my belt. I have a deep-seated fear that my jeans will fall to my ankles and I will be hapless in a crowded security area, embarrassed beyond belief in my Mickey Mouse-adorned boxer shorts. I could go on. It's all that rushing because, sadly, some airport officials tell fibs. Actually, they lie. The departure board flashes up the news that your flight is now boarding, or even worse, is now in the final, last and final call process. You also learn that the gate is a 20-minute walk away, and so breathless and perhaps even muttering words not normally in the vocabulary of good Christian people, you arrive at the gate to discover that the boarding process has not even started yet. You repent of muttering those words, and then you feel something close to hatred for the people who issued the false boarding announcement, and then you repent of feeling hatred. Now you've got me started. If you happen to be flying on a budget airline, you'll be required to line up in what is a racking system. You take your place in accordance to what's on your boarding pass, but if you're B-23, may the Lord have mercy upon you if by accident you get in front of the chap who is B-22. 
All in all, I'm usually glad when the time comes to exit the airport. I prefer arriving to traveling. But during a recent trip, the sun came out in Denver Airport Terminal A, and all because of one lady that Kay and I spotted. One of our hobbies is people watching and people listening. Sometimes we take this a little too far and refrain from conversation with each other when, for example, we're in restaurants so that we can tune into the conversations of others nearby or at the next table. Kay especially enjoys this. With a birthday coming up, I'm planning on buying her surveillance equipment as a gift. As for that aforementioned lady in Denver Airport, we first saw her on the swaying transit train that propelled us towards our gate area. Standing next to a rather nervous-looking family, she greeted them all smiles and wished them a happy flight. Just one warm comment from her seemed to calm their frayed nerves a little. Stood behind us when we boarded an escalator, she smiled and joked with a rather sudden-looking passenger there too, brightening up the 20-second uphill ride. And then, to our surprise, she lined up for the same flight as us. During that time, Denver Airport had over 1,600 flights daily, and as she boarded, she profusely thanked the gate agent who seemed surprised and thrilled at her display of appreciation. We took off, I popped a peanut in my mouth, helpful salty provision for the dehydrating conditions of flying, and pondered her kindness. And it was then that I felt a nudge, perhaps from God. If I could find her once we'd landed, I should encourage her. My mind immediately recoiled at this idea. The lady might not welcome an approach from a random chap, and my well-meaning intentions could end up as an episode of stranger danger. After we'd landed and disembarked the plane, she was nowhere to be found. Frankly, I felt relieved, off the hook from what I thought might be a mission from God. Down in the packed baggage claim area, I dutifully scanned the crowd, but in vain. And then I noticed that she was standing right next to me, talking animatedly on the phone. Suddenly, her carry-on bag fell over at my feet. This could be my moment, but she was still talking on the phone as I helped her. She thanked me mid-call, grabbed her bags and headed away, and then stopped to take a text. Our luggage arrived and we headed to walk past her, and that's when her bag fell over once again right at my feet. I plunged in nervously. Excuse me, this might sound a little strange, but I'm a pastor. I thought that might make me sound a little safer, which may or may not be the case. And my wife and I both noticed your repeated kindness back in Denver. It's so refreshing to see someone act like you do. I prayed that I would have the chance to meet you and thank you. And so, thank you. Her mouth fell open and she smiled broadly and then burst into tears. Happy tears. After the briefest of chats, she hurried off to repair her ruined mascara. And I was left wondering... God had apparently performed some nifty choreography to enable that moment. I'm wary of those Christians who see God steering every detail of life. I no longer pray for parking spaces, unless I desperately need one, feeling that the Lord of the universe has other things to deal with. But my faith in coincidences is limited. We often say that the devil is in the detail, but perhaps, just perhaps, God can be in the detail too. Did God set up that airport encounter? Possibly. Probably even. But this much is absolutely certain. Kindness, so wonderfully demonstrated by that smiling, gracious lady, can light up gloomier spaces. Kindness is an oft-overlooked characteristic of our God, who graced his old covenant people with loving kindness. 
Paul, the apostle, writing a letter to his friends in Ephesus, celebrated the God who showers kindness upon us in Christ Jesus. So when we're kind, we're just a little more like God. Kindness often costs nothing except time and thought, but surely turns heads and hearts here on earth. And surely heaven watches and celebrates acts of kindness too. So as I reflect on that picture, that beautiful picture of Patrick Hutchinson carrying a drunk protester to safety, I'm challenged myself. Let kindness be a hallmark of my life today. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile Podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Justin Welby. Part of my daily prayer discipline is praying in tongues every day, and not as a sort of occasional thing, but as just part of daily prayer. Listen to the full interview with Justin Welby now on The Profile Podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcast from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. We're thinking about the power of kindness. And when I met a man called Robin during a church weekend where I was the preacher, I bumped into someone who has determined to light up the world with a kindly smile. Robin has no hesitation about smiling. Distinguished and dapper in his blazer and tie, he was the officially appointed photographer that anniversary weekend. As out-of-town guests, we didn't know anybody at that church and felt the wintry draught of being strangers at a party. But when Robin greeted us, the sun came out. His consistent grin was broad, cheeky without the hint of a leer, and utterly welcoming. So bright was that smile, I had to ask him about it. He explained to me that for him, a warm smile is not just a response to something good, but a daily choice to be kind. He explained, Years ago, Jeff, I was sitting in a barber's shop opposite a church building. As the Christians emerged from their weekly Bible study, everyone in the barbers remarked that they didn't want to be like those dour church folks with their vinegary holier-than-thou expressions. Listening to their murmuring that day, I made a life choice, said Robin. I decided that as a follower of Jesus myself, I would smile. So he does. A lot. Now, don't think that Robin is a superficial soul or someone for whom life has been easy, to the point of seeming unfair. On the contrary, he lost his beloved wife of 58 years, Joan, just three years ago after her decade-long battle with Parkinson's disease and dementia. And Robin's daughter Celia suffered a brain tumour at the age of 22, just after she qualified to be a nurse. A brilliant young woman, now she is confined to the full-time residential care that her condition demands. Despite being paralysed from the waist down, she is a bright, inspirational soul, a source of joy and encouragement to all who meet her. Happily, the apple has not fallen far from the proverbial tree. And so Robin, a retired civil engineer, hasn't been spared the winters of life, but he has decided to choose his attitude daily. And in about two seconds, that choice to smile, to be kind, to be welcoming, made us feel completely at home. His conscious monitoring of his facial arrangement changed our evening. The tiniest actions change the world, and not just the actions that are celebrated. When the late, great Rosa Parks decided that she was not going to be relegated to the blacks-only section at the back of the bus, 
She couldn't have known that her small protest would fuel the revolution that was the civil rights movement. But there are many other small choices that are not noticeably history-making, but nevertheless quietly change the world each day. Like noticing, saying please, saying thank you, listening in a world awash with talking and often shouting, opening a door for someone, tipping a little extra, paying a genuine compliment, helping a lost tourist, offering a handshake or a hug, apologising quickly without hesitation or qualification, wishing someone a good day and meaning it even if your day is going badly, encouraging people and being specific about it, not just saying well done, but saying what was well done, sending a handwritten note, bringing a gift to a dinner party, helping with the washing up after dinner and yes offering a smile. Hi, I'm Sam Hales. If you're enjoying Lucas on Life, you'll love the Profile podcast. Every week, we sit down with a leading Christian to find out more about their life, faith, and testimony. Here's Joyce Mayer. Anything that we give up for God, He gives it back to us multiplied so many, many times over. I encourage anybody to make whatever sacrifices they need to to be in the perfect will of God because there's no better place to be. Listen to the full interview with Joyce Mayer now on the Profile podcast. Just search for The Profile wherever you get your podcasts from or visit premierchristianradio.com forward slash The Profile. He was a retired headmaster, a ramrod straight, staunchly moral chap whose starched shirt seemed to express his creaseless morality. We could always count on him to contribute to a prayer meeting. His prayers were rich tapestries of praise, skillfully woven words of adoration mingled with scripture, spoken in a beautiful Edwardian style, overlaid by his rich Yorkshire accent. Yet these were never speeches of the pray and display kind. Underneath his awesomely white shirts beat a tender heart for the Lord Jesus. I was just 21 and a fledgling pastor church planting. Visitation meant that I was obliged to pop in on and see the older folks once in a while. I would listen to their aches and pains litanies, drink endless cups of milky tea, and then pedal on to the next house. I desperately tried to be sympathetic to their rheumatic challenges, but still listened to their problems with the immortal, all-knowing ears of youth. I always felt slightly uncomfortable in the role, trying somehow to be a shepherd to people who'd been on the planet four times longer than I had. My clerical collar rubbed uncomfortably on my neck, like a shiny fairy liquid bottle biting into me and causing me to sweat. Sometimes my role as a young minister felt like it chafed and rubbed as well. I used to visit the elderly headmaster and his wife occasionally, and the routine never changed. I would sip my tea and blather on about nothing relevant, and he and his good lady would listen, bright-eyed and attentive, as if I was dispensing pearls of wisdom like Solomon on a good day. Our time at an end, I would pray for them both, but before I was allowed to leave, he would always ask the same question. May we pray for you, Pastor? And then he and his wife would come and stand by the green sofa and place their hands gently upon my head. For 20 minutes, they would thank God for me and ask for blessings of every conceivable variety. Finally, when it came to say goodbye, he would give me a hug and place a kiss on my cheek. That kiss goodbye meant a lot. 
That man was a scholar of scripture. He could have easily taken my sermons apart at the seams, sentence by sentence, leaving them like a shadowed Meccano set on the floor. And he could have told me about other churches that he'd been part of through the years that were stunningly effective, far more so than our own. He could have used our time to let me know that the music in our meetings was too loud or too long or unfamiliar, unhelpfully accompanied by those drums. But instead, he would say goodbye with a light kiss on the cheek. That elderly headmaster is currently weaving together prayers in heaven. He died years ago, but I still feel the light impression of his tender kiss on my cheek. And on darker days... I touch my face and remember that I am stronger because of his enduring yet simple legacy. There's a sense in which everybody needs a kiss. When we're kind, we make an impact. Every one of us has something called influence to a larger or smaller degree. Today, in a confused, shouting, hurting world, let's be kind. Lucas on Life. Welcome to Cape and Ray Hall, nestled in the beautiful landscapes between England's national parks. As a Bible school, we offer short-term courses aimed at fostering your spiritual growth and living in a community. Our historic manor house has something for everyone. You can enjoy indoor and outdoor adventures, connect with students from around the world, and learn how to deepen your relationship with Jesus Christ. Search Cape and Ray England for more information.